Hey everyone, welcome to Cedar Shove It. I'm your host, Greg, and I'm here again this week to give you my thoughts on the latest movies playing in theaters and streaming on your TV. For our featured movies this week, Gerard Butler goes on a dangerous flight in Plane, a 90s hit gets a remake with House Party, and Lucifer plans to take over the world in The Devil Conspiracy. Buckle up, here we go. When a pilot encounters a storm in the sky, he is forced into the fight of his life, both in the sky and on the ground. This is plain. Why'd they lock you up? No one cares what really happened. But they say redemption can be found in the most unusual places. If you do this, you'll probably never see your family again. What about their families? I have a daughter. And I have every intention of making a home. They are going to come at us with everything they've got. We're getting off this island. Gerard Butler stars as pilot Brody Torrens, who, along with his co-pilot Samuel, played by Yosin An, are tasked with piloting a New Year's Eve flight filled with 14 self-absorbed passengers and one homicidal criminal named Lewis, who is being transported to another enforcement agency. He is played by Mike Coulter. When Brody is worried about some weather on the radar, he gets clearance to fly anyway. Soon into the flight, things take a drastic turn as the plane is struck by lightning, and they head straight into the storm, causing severe turbulence, which eventually forces the crew to make an emergency crash landing. The first opportunity they can. Having landed the plane in the middle of nowhere on a remote island in the Philippines, Brody and Samuel discover that they have landed in hostile territory, and are faced with not only finding a way to communicate where they are, but also trying to escape without being killed by the militia leader who has taken everyone hostage. Can Brody work with the criminal expertise of Lewis to rescue everyone? When I saw the trailer for this, I predicted it would be a see-it, and I give this film a... Mild see-it. While this film is forgettable, and it's not one that I'm going to look back at the end of the year and say, now, man, I can't get that film out of my head. I think that should be on my list of the ten best. I did enjoy myself during it enough to slightly recommend it. The script was pretty weak, but the action throughout was nicely engaging, and the pacing was great. It made the film breeze by so much that when I looked at my watch, I realized there was only 15 minutes left of the film. With that said, the final 15 minutes had an awful lot to wrap up in a short period of time, so it was a bit rushed, and a lot of the characters were cliched for action films. But if you're looking for a mindless action film to see, there are worse ones you can watch than this one. So far in 2023, every new film I've seen has been, at worst, tolerable and enjoyable in their own way. Now that's unusual for January releases. Let's see if that continues. Two friends realize they are cleaning LeBron James's house and decide to throw a party. This is House Party. This is a really bad idea. I wouldn't do something like this unless I was desperate. She cracking, bro. How you 
see how out of control this party is? Shit, we done fucked up the koala. You good? What the fuck just happened? Back in the 1990s, rap duo Kid and Play created a hit movie about two friends who throw a house party that ended up spawning a franchise and four sequels. The latest film is a reboot of the franchise and stars Jacob Lattimore and Tosin Cole as two friends who work for a house cleaning company. While cleaning a mansion, they receive a call letting them know they've been fired effective immediately following the end of their current job. They soon realize the home they are cleaning belongs to NBA great LeBron James. Deciding they have nothing to lose, the two get access to LeBron's contacts, pretend to be his representative, and throw an exclusive house party in an effort to raise enough money to take care of their responsibilities. When I saw the trailer for this, I predicted this would be a shove it, and I give this film a... Shove it. Oh, shitty January releases, what took you so long to make an appearance? This is one party that you do not want to RSVP to. The film is low-budget, low-brow, and low-standard. For a comedy, I expect to laugh at least a handful of times. This one, I may have chuckled once, but the rest of the time I was annoyed at how amateurish the comedy was, and really couldn't wait for it to end. As I said in previous episodes, I never walk out of a film because I want to give it a fair shot. Well, with the exception of Cats. I walked out of that hairball. I was tempted to walk out of this too, and may have had I not had another film reservation immediately after. So go ahead and skip this one. Even a deluge of cameos can't save it. Next, an art scholar is kidnapped so that she could be the host of the spawn of Satan. This is the Devil Conspiracy. The Shroud of Christ, the world's most famous object and the most sacred. I believe art tells the story of our past and hints at our future. Lucifer would have consumed us all if Michael hadn't stopped her. Pray he never finds his way out. The film opens with a retelling of the biblical tale between Archangel Michael and Lucifer, with Michael banishing Lucifer to an eternity of imprisonment in hell. Flash forward to modern times when American art student Laura, played by Alice or Ewing, visits the Shroud of Christ where her friend Father Marconi, played by Joe Doyle, allows her into the display to study the linen and its statue that are both on display for people to see. Soon, Laura witnesses a robbery where the thieves steal the shroud and kill Father Marconi before escaping. Leading this mission is Liz, a leader of a satanic cult who is desperate to free Lucifer from the chains of hell so that he can rule the earth. To do this, she has Laura impregnated with an egg fertilized by Christ's DNA that they extracted off the shroud so that they can reincarnate Satan into the body of Christ and fill the world with rage and destruction. Somewhere along the way, the dead body of Father Marconi is taken over by the spirit of Archangel Michael, who returns to have a rematch with Lucifer. Can he win the battle before it's too late? I give this film a... 
Shove it. So, as I was watching House Party, I was thinking that this is the worst movie I've seen in months. It's almost like the devil's conspiracy was across the hall whispering, Au contraire, mon frere, wait until you come over here soon. This was the most ridiculous horror movie I've seen in a while. The acting was horrible, the script was even worse. I swear the filmmakers spent more money on third-rate special effects and getting the rights to such songs as NXS's Devil Inside and Real Life Send Me an Angel than they will ever dream of recouping at the box office. Seeing this immediately after House Party put me in an aggravated mood. I mean, it really makes me wonder if the people associated with films like this actually think they are making art. Or do they know it's a piece of shit when they are filming it? I mean, they have to know, right? Right? So, that's it for this week's featured films. To recap, Plane is in theaters now and is a mild see-it. House Party is in theaters now and is a shove-it. The Devil Conspiracy is in theaters now and is a shove-it. Now, on to my brief take on some additional movies I've watched in my segment, Quick Picks. This weekend, I saw a trio of foreign language films in theaters, and honestly, any of those would be a better selection than any of the featured films. The French drama Saint-Omer tells the story of a woman on trial for murdering her baby by leaving her on the beach to be swept away by high tide. The Danish and Persian drama Holy Spider is about an Iranian man who believes he is doing God's work by becoming a mass murderer who rids the streets of Masad, Iran, of prostitutes, and also follows the journalists looking to capture him. The South Korean drama Broker is about two men who work as baby brokers illegally selling unwanted children to couples for profit until they meet one of these children's mother who has a mysterious past. All three are holdovers from 2022 and are getting wider releases now. They are all see-its and are in theaters now. Now it's time for my segment where I look at films from the past. This is Be Kind, Rewind. Continuing on my series where I take the 52-week movie challenge I discussed on last week's episode. This week, the topic was to choose a classic film, and my choices were The Exorcist, Psycho, or The Birds. I have seen each of these, but ended up selecting... Alfred Hitchcock's classic, Psycho. What are you running away from? She looked like a wrong one to you. It's not as if she were a, a maniac. She just goes a little mad sometimes. Released in 1960, Psycho tells the story of real estate secretary Marion Crane, played by Janet Leigh in her Oscar-nominated role, who has stolen a bank deposit in the amount of $40,000 so that she can marry her boyfriend Sam and pay off his debts. Marion leaves Phoenix and begins a trip to Sam's house in California. While on the road, she decides to stop for the night at the Bates Motel. Upon arrival, the motel manager, Norman Bates, 
comes down from the large house upon the hill behind the motel, and he greets Marion with an awkward shyness. The two exchange small talk, and Norman returns to the house to get Marion some food. She overhears him have a shouting match with his mother. He returns with a meal and apologizes for the outburst. They then part ways, and Marion goes to her room where she has a change of conscience and decides to return the money the next day. Before going to sleep, she takes a shower. As she is bathing, a shadowy figure wearing a dress appears behind the curtain and proceeds to stab Marion to death. After the murder, Norman runs in and sees what has happened, and to protect his mother, he decides to clean up the murder scene and dispose of Marion's body. The rest of the film is spent seeing the investigation into Marion's disappearance and how Norman's psychosis begins to take over as the pressure begins to build. This is a classic film for a reason. When it was released, the film was controversial for showing unmarried lovers sharing a bed, a shocking amount of violence, and themes of homosexuality and cross-dressing, very taboo topics for 1960. It was even controversial for showing a flushing toilet on screen, so you can imagine the uproar about all the other things. Hitchcock insisted no one be allowed to enter the theater once the film started. This worked in increasing curiosity among theatergoers. He did this in part because of the star power of Janet Leigh and was afraid if they arrived too late and didn't see her on screen, they would feel cheated. Reviews for the film were initially very mixed before eventually gaining steam with critics to become one of the most successful films of the year, finishing as the second highest grossing film of 1960 behind Spartacus. It ended up being nominated for four Academy Awards for Director, Supporting Actress, Cinematography, and Art Direction. How Bernard Herrmann's instantly recognizable score was overlooked is beyond me. The film was recently named the best film of all time by Variety magazine, which made Janet Lee's daughter, actress Jamie Lee Curtis, especially proud on Instagram. This is definitely a see-it if you haven't already. Now, with award season kicking into high gear, I wanted to do a segment chronicling the state of the races in the major categories. This is Oscar Outlook. Two weeks ago, the Golden Globes were handed out, where the big winner was The Fablemans, winning Best Drama Film and Best Director, giving Steven Spielberg an edge heading into the Oscar race. However, his name was left off the long list of potential nominees for the British Academy Award, so that puts a bit of a wrinkle in his campaign. Other big winners of Globes were Best Drama Actor Austin Butler for his turn in Elvis, Kate Blanchett for Best Drama Actress for her knockout performance in Tar, Best Comedy Actress Michelle Yeoh for her iconic performance in Everything Everywhere All at Once, and Colin Farrell for Best Comedy Actor for The Banshees of Inisherin, which also won the Best Comedy Film. Supporting honors went to Kihi Kwan for Everything Everywhere All at Once and the great Angela Bassett for Black Panther Wakanda Forever. That win was my favorite for the night because, as you may remember, I really wanted this to happen for her because she was so incredible in the film, but I feared that it being perceived as a comic book film would eliminate any real shot she had at awards this year. Then, on this past Sunday, the other night, at the Critics' Choice Awards, she repeated a win there, which leads me to believe that she is the one to beat for the Oscar at the moment. I hope she maintains that momentum. 
Other repeat winners Sunday were Kihi Kwan and Kate Blanchett, cementing their status as frontrunners as well. However, the Best Actor award went to Brendan Fraser for his transformative performance in The Whale, and directing and picture honors went to The Daniels for their film Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, which makes those categories a horse race, which honestly I don't mind because sometimes there are so many award shows that when the Oscars eventually roll into town, they are entirely predictable. So, at the moment, using current momentum, my predictions are... For Best Picture, it's going to be Everything Everywhere All at Once. Best Director, Steven Spielberg for The Fablemans. Best Actor, Colin Farrell for The Banshees of Inna Sharon. Best Actress, Kate Blanchett for Tar. Best Supporting Actor, Kihi Kwan for Everything Everywhere All at Once. And Best Supporting Actress, Angela Bassett for Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Keep checking back in the coming weeks to see if the winds of destiny change for any of these races. That's it for this episode of Seed or Shove It. I continue to be grateful for the time you spend with me each week. Support your local theaters by going to see some of the movies I reviewed this month, and while you're at it, share my podcast with your movie and TV-loving friends and family. And don't forget, you can now drop me a line on seedorshoveit at gmail.com And let me know if you have any ideas or suggestions, or just to say hey. Follow me on Instagram at SeedOrShoveIt, and rate me wherever you get your podcasts. Come back next week to hear my thoughts on Oscar-nominated actress Anna Kendrick in Alice Darling, and Storm Reid stars in Missing, which I've already seen because it was in fact the Regal Theater's Mystery Monday movie last week. So I can't wait to share my thoughts about that one with you. Have a great week, everyone, and I look forward to bringing you more next week. This episode of See It or Shove It was recorded in Orlando, Florida, and is produced by Gregory G. Productions. Music by Mysterio Music. All rights reserved.